0: You're listening to a podcast from Gut.
1: Welcome to the GUT Podcast. I'm Mary McLean, Senior Lecturer and Consultant in Gastroenterology at the University of Aberdeen, Scotland, UK, and current visiting Research Fellow at the National Cancer Institute in the USA. In my capacity as Education Editor, I'm hosting this podcast today. This month, we're discussing the Editor's Choice Manuscript, entitled Transcriptional Analysis of the Intestinal Mucosa of Patients with Ulcerative Colitis in Remission, Reveals Lasting Epithelial Cell Alterations, presented by Dr. Azubi. Azucena Salas' group and collaborators. This work is also central to an accompanying commentary in the same issue of gut. I'm delighted to welcome two authors here today, Dr. Julian Pans from the Department of Gastroenterology, Hospital Clinic Barcelona in Spain, and Dr. Azucena Salas, also based in Barcelona and current visiting scholar at the University of Washington in Seattle in the USA. So welcome both to the podcast today. So to begin our discussion, can you outline the aims of this study, explain the underlying hypothesis, and how this idea was conceived?
0: Uh, Yes, thank you, Mary. Uh, This is Athosena Sala speaking. Well, um, we know that ulcerative colitis is a chronic disease, and in in most patients, it's characterized by periods of activity, and these are followed by periods of remission. And it's also very well established that to achieve mucosal healing or endoscopic remission, And to prevent disease relapse is associated with improved long term outcome, and therefore, this is the gold standard in management of the disease. We normally assume that lack of endoscopic lesions equals healthy mucosa, normal mucosa, but very little was known at the time at what is the molecular profile of the inactive mucosa. So it was obvious to us then that. We had learned a lot about active mechanisms of mucosal inflammation, but we actually knew very little about and disease at a molecular level. So we hypothesized that while mucosal healing uh, means you know, resolution of the inflammatory reaction, there may be many other components of the immune and the non-immune response that take place in colitis that may not necessarily go hand-by-hand with resolution of the inflammation. So we started this project with the hypothesis that the intestinal mucosa of colitic patients in remission may show a different profile than that of a healthy non-IBD mucosa. So our objectives were: we wanted to first identify pathways that may be permanently altered in these patients in the absence of inflammation, and we thought maybe this could potentially be associated to long-term complications of the disease. And second, we also thought that we could uncover active mechanisms that may help the mucosa to remain in remission, and
1: therefore this could be interesting new druggable targets to explore. Well, you compared gene expression pattern between active inflamed mucosa in patients with UC, macroscopically normal mucosa in UC patients in disease remission, and a colonic segment previously reported as inflamed and non-IBD controls. Can you tell us how the patients were recruited and disease activity was classified?
2: Um, sure. This is uh, Julian Pannes speaking. Yeah. In fact, the the precise definition of uh, disease activity and, and biopsy site sampling uh, was considered from the start as key points in uh, our study design. Because we aimed at comparing active disease, disease in histologic remission, and uninvolved mucosa of patients with UC. We only selected patients with a firmly established diagnosis of UC who had undergone multiple endoscopic examinations. So this allowed us to define active disease as the presence of endoscopic activity. That is, uh, the, we use the, the um, endoscopic subscore of the Maya classification, and we use the common definition which is a a myo endoscopic subscore higher than two and then we also use for histologic assessment the Mats classification and and we determined or established that uh, active disease classified by histology, would be a match score of three or higher, and this is uniformly accepted as the presence of moderate to severe uh, activity based on the histologic examination. So there was, there is not much of a, a hassle defining active disease, maybe more the definition of uh, disease of remission, and this was defined as the segment in which we had previous proven endoscopic and histologic activity in a previous flare of the disease who at the time of the examination of the study had absence of endoscopic activity. This is a May of zero, so that we were very strict in, in, in defining uh, remission in terms of endoscopy, and also a match score of two or less, meaning that there were minimal histologic alterations remaining, not categorized uh, commonly as active disease. And involved mucosa was defined as a segment never involved in patients who had undergone two or more examinations showing active disease in more distal segments.
1: The transcriptional signature in relation to disease activity was initially assessed on a whole genome basis with a microarray, with subsequent validation of gene expression pattern at both the gene and protein level in independent patient cohorts. What were the initial main findings from the microarray data?
0: So, um, the whole genome approach, um, we use this approach because it's very useful and it allowed us to look at all potentially altered mechanisms in the intestinal mucosa without being limited and limiting our study to an already described subset of genes. So based on what was already been described in the literature and also findings our own own lab had, we expected that many of the genes that uh, will will be rated during an inflamed uh, condition will return to normal levels of depression during remission. What we did not expect was to see such a large number of genes that were permanently deregulated in the remitting mucosa. Actually, about half the genes that are significantly regulated in ulcerative colitis active mucosa remain altered during remission, despite endoscopic and histologic healing. Therefore, the microarray data clearly distinguished between at least two different patterns of gene expression. There were a first group of genes that were only up or down-regulated in the inflamed colonic mucosa, but that returned to healthy levels during remission. And then there was a second set of genes that after being regulated during an inflammatory response remained permanently altered. And this
1: second group of genes became the focus of our study. How did this gene expression pattern fit into biological context? Was there a particular pattern of genes related to particular cell functions? Well, the genes in the first
0: subset included very well characterized inflammatory mediators, you know, genes encoding for cytokines, chemokines, you know, things like IL-8 or CXCL1 or calprotectin. And, and these were genes that in patients that achieved mucosal healing, they return normal levels, so to speak. But the second group of genes, including also genes that one would have suspected or have related to an inflammation, such as REC4 or aquaporins, aquaporin, aquaporin-8 and aquaporin-3, had already, had already been described as regulated during colitis. But our study clearly shows that although they were turned on by inflammation, they are not necessarily modulated back to normal to achieve mucosal healing.
1: You present a UC in remission signature based on 54 genes. Why were these chosen, did they fit into a particular pattern, and how is this validated? Well, you know, we obtained a very large
0: signature of genes that we didn't expect to be so large. So this was out of the about 3,700 genes that came out of the microarray analysis as differentially regulated in remission. We decided to identify a subset, a smaller subset to focus on. This was done obviously because first we needed a more sizable number of genes to validate, and second we wanted to draw some biological function from the signature that we had identified. And the selection of these 54 genes was therefore a critical step in the study. We, there's different ways to approach this, but we chose Ingenuity Pathway Analysis, which is a tool uh, as a IPA, to define the main altered biological functions based on the large list of genes that came out of the microarray analysis. And after identifying um, biological functions using this tool, uh, such as you know, protein and fatty acid metabolism, cellular growth, cellular proliferation and movement, etc. we chose specific genes from all relevant biological functions. We wanted to include genes from all functions, but also we wanted to include genes from all patterns of expression. So in that 54 UC signature, there were genes such as CL8 or 6CL1 or collagen 1A2 that are genes that are regulated back to normal in remission. And these were kind of like our controls that patients really achieve inflammation resolution. And then the majority of genes were in the second group of genes, the genes such as rec 4 or S100P or Trifoil Factor 1 or Serpene B5. And these were genes that remain altered in active patients. And so we did real-time PCR analysis of all these 54 genes in an independent cohort of patients. And from that, and also some protein validation, we came up with a validated ulcerative colitis remission
1: signature that contained 29 genes. So as you said, the aim of treatment for IBD is focused on endoscopic mucosal healing at the moment. But you're... Data clearly shows that despite macroscopic and histological healing, several genes remain dysregulated. Um, can we just explore that a bit more and can you tell us more about this and speculate on how this may impact disease progression?
2: Well, uh, analysis of the most significantly regulated pathways during uh, UC remission provided uh, really interesting and new insights. Uh, for example, a spreading of uh, fibro- fib- fibroblasts during a remission. And uh, it has become uh, apparent recently that fibrosis is one of the complications of long-standing UC, not only of Crohn's disease, but it also affects UC. And in the case of UC, it leads to loss of australia and reduction in the diameter of the colon, what has been termed as a lead pipe colon. And this may indeed be a cause of persistent symptoms in patients without inflammatory activity, which we commonly see in long-standing UC. Another elevated biological function is related to the proliferation of colon cancer meaning that the risk of cancer may remain elevated, even in patients achieving endoscopic and histological remission.
1: But in particular, you discussed three genes in this context, um, GIG4, S100P, and Serpene B5. And what are the biological functions of these gene protein products, and how may this impact on in UC, including potential treatment strategies? Well, one of the interesting I think
0: observations we made in our study is that a large proportion of the genes that were identified in the UC remission signature were of epithelial origin, so we do know that about forty or fifty percent of the cellular contact of, contact of the endoscopic biopsies are actually epithelial cells and therefore expected a large proportion of the RNA content in biopsies to come from these cells, especially in a non-inflamed biopsy where all the immune infiltrate is gone. The reason why we focus on these three genes for further validation is that all three are known to be primarily expressed by epithelial cells. They are involved in epithelial cell proliferation, resistance to apoptosis, or response to stress, so they have kind of like a common function. And also all three have been described to be regulated in colorectal cancer. So the fact that such genes showed a maintained increased expression in biopsies where there is no ongoing inflammation, there's no colorectal cancer, or even signs of dysplasia made us think that such mechanisms of epithelial proliferation were turned on by inflammation and remained on independently of inflammation or malignant transformation. So, furthermore, we hypothesise that, that such mechanisms could support epithelial hyperproliferation in the context of malignant transformation that could happen in the in colon. They could foster tumour tumor growth. So, nonetheless, we have to, to be careful with this because this is just a. Uh, conclusion we're making or more like a hypothesis we're making, but our study does not go on to determine a potential link between expression of these genes and proteins and development of cancer. However, if such link was demonstrated by further studies, it would be very interesting to know how targeting of these proteins could actually affect
1: uh, or prevent tumor development in these patients. Were there any additional genes identified that may be of interest as, for example, therapeutic targets of the future or biomarkers of disease progression? Well, yeah, as I mentioned
0: before, you know, one of the conclusions of this study was that not all genes that are regulating an active UC present good biomarkers of disease activity, since about half of them do not respond to disease resolution. So our study first defines a large list of those that do respond, and therefore those can be explored as biomarkers of disease activity, and we actually validated some of them. But there's also, you know, the other genes, genes that um, you see in remission signatures, and this shows, this signature shows genes that could be associated to disease progression. Um, however, we, we only in our study show a link between the expression of these genes and inactivity, Uh, so therefore the presence of previous inflammation, but we do not directly assess whether there's a relationship between expression of these genes and, for example, time of disease progression or development of complications. However, you know, our hope is that our group, but other groups, too, having made, you know, all this microarray data from the study publicly available will have access to this data, and we could continue to explore this large gene signature and keep learning
1: more from it. Is this work continuing? Um, what is the future direction of this research? For example, are you continuing to follow these patients clinically to see if this transcriptional signature impacts on clinical course?
2: Yes, yes, indeed, we are following, following these patients. Uh, in fact, uh, this uh, work is only a part of a broader initiative uh, led by Azucena to identify molecular predictors of uh, disease curves and therapeutic response in uh, patients with IPG, as well as biomarkers that effectively aid in the clinical management of the disease and are also useful for uh, identification of druggable targets or that uh, develop in, as biomarkers Uh, sorry, that help as biomarkers in the development of new therapies. So, uh, based on the data that was obtained in this study, we are already uh, exploring the importance of interleukin-1 beta and its receptors uh, and regulators in disease activity and progression, for example.
1: How could this study affect our day-to-day practice as gastroenterologists? In your opinion, based on your findings, how could this impact on the management of patients with UC?
2: Well, uh, by now, and uh, considering our limited therapeutic armamentarium, uh, these findings will not have an immediate impact on the way we manage UC. However, in the future, Knowing, for example, that even in the presence of histologic remission, activation of biological pathways that may foster development of fibrosis or that may be involved in the pathogenesis of dysplasia and cancer persist, we may have to design therapeutic strategies that tackle these abnormalities if we want really to change the course of the disease and its long-term complications.
1: Well, that brings us to the end of today's podcast. I'd like to thank Dr. Julian Panis and Azacina Salas for joining me today. Thank you very much.
2: Thank you. Thank you. For more information about this programme and other BMJ Group podcasts, please visit bmj.com.